Uh, well, welcome again, everybody, to episode nine of the Blofeld podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. This is the podcast for uh, really all automotive and motorsports news that we find interesting. Um, and we've kind of got a kind of a good breadth of uh, stories this week that are, I think are worth touching on. So the first one we really wanted to get into was Tesla admitting to California uh, DMV regulators that their, quote, full self-driving mode is not actually full self-driving mode and probably never will be. So the backstory on this is that Elon Musk tweeted out the demand for Tesla's full self-driving beta software, uh, otherwise known as City Streets, is uh, so high that they're making it available to any Tesla owner. And City Streets is currently a level two automated system, which um, there's a couple definitions of, but basically level zero is the human driver does everything. Level one is you've got things like park, park assist, adaptive cruise. Level two is there's multiple automated systems at play. So adaptive cruise, lane keep assist, et cetera. Level three is the car is in complete control in certain environments like highway driving. The human driver can read or text or do other things. Level four is basically the car is pretty much independent except for very special circumstances. And then level five is you're basically a passenger in an automated car. Uh, So the reason this is kind of interesting is so the full self-driving option is a $10,000 option that a Tesla owner can pay to get on their car. And that the implication was that it would eventually be a full level three system. So you can turn it on, set it to go to work, and you can read the newspaper on your way to work or whatever you want to do. But Tesla told California DMV regulators that city streets is going to remain a level two system throughout its life cycle, um, that they are working toward a level three system eventually, but have no real kind of solid plans for when it'll be available. And there's a bunch of regulate regulatory stuff they have to go through to get approval for a level three system. Because as you can imagine, like, you know, there's a lot of dangers that can come with that if uh, the system doesn't work appropriately. So kind of my question with this whole story was, Really, do you think it's ethical of Tesla to charge $10,000 for, quote, full self-driving when they know it isn't full self-driving and likely won't be in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think that, you know, I've looked at Tesla's over the years and I've seen it as an option for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess I don't know specifically the entire details, but if you buy that system, you get presumably the level two experience Mm -hmm. and with basically a promise that someday you will get this level three system that will mostly be a software update which i think is what a lot of tesla owners are kind of wanting right like they're not particularly enthusiast drivers they want to just be carted around (laughs) right exactly and so i think like from that standpoint it makes sense you know tesla's a software company that kind of makes cars in a, in a mm-hmm. way. And right. so it, it it's definitely like a selling point. But I guess the question is, you know, how long has this been going on? You know, if, if this has been an option for, you know, a decade now and we still don't mm-hmm. have it, I guess, I guess from my standpoint as a, you know, a car buyer, I would say I'd have a little skepticism if it had been a decade because the assumption is, you know, if it's taken 10 years and we still don't have it, we're probably a long ways out. And right. so the com- the components may need to be different in the future. Maybe it needs more powerful computers or, you know, I know Elon doesn't like, I don't think he's a big fan of LiDAR. 
But mm-hmm. uh, it seems like a lot of other companies have made that a part of their full self-driving kit uh, someday. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of money to spend on an option that is kind of a future promise, but it's a promise that's mm-hmm. been made for quite a while now. Yeah, so. I, I think, you know, my I've got a couple, I've got a lot of problems with it, but I guess two of my biggest are like one, you're asking your customer, you're essentially creating a GoFundMe for your software development. You're asking your own customers to pay 10 grand for the promise of a future functionality that may or may not ever happen in their lifetime, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, if you're a, you know, if you're a 60 year old guy buying a Model S because you like the tech and, you know, 20 years from now is when the full self-driving is available. Like, was that 10K worth it? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, like, granted, it may be marketing, but to call it full self-driving when it's nothing of the sort. I mean, oh, that's true. If, if this is if this is full self-driving, my wife's Volvo has full self-driving. because it has <laughs> yeah, it's very assist. confusing. I agree. It has lane keep assist. It has, like, you know, adaptive cruise control, I, yeah. which it's it'd be like if I if I said, well, I can sell you a you know, flying magic carpet and then you get on it and you're like, wait, it doesn't fly and there's nothing magical about it. I'm like, <laughs> where'd you get the idea that it was, you know, that yeah. it was called? it's like I, that's just that's just the name of it. It doesn't actually fly. Come on. Yeah. You know, I think just about everybody else, you know, what is it? Isn't is GMC's is, is that Super Cruise? Is that there? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody's got a name for it, but I don't think anybody's naming it like full self-drive <laughs> yeah and and that's the, i'm saying that that's the problem like you want to call it adaptive cruise control or you want to say it's got these automated systems that's fine like if it works yeah. it works but i'm worried that customers won't understand the nuance could be you know we've already seen pictures that's on reddit true. or news stories of people like literally sleeping on the four, you know on the 405 yeah. freeway in california in their model x that's a you good know, point and, like, and i guarantee you that same person is not going to turn on the adaptive cruise control in a GMC or a Volvo and think that they can just take a nap. But because they've yeah, been told by the owner of this company, like, hey, we got you. Just turn this on. This is turn all, on. yeah, this is all marketing shenanigans. Yeah, at totally. the end of the day. And I think that, you know, the reality is like if it, I mean, presumably people fall asleep, you know, with, um, you know, cruise control kind of like on accident. But yeah. if you have people that are not super informed and are like, they said this is full self-driving, I'm going to sleep now, you know, one right. uh, one accident or somebody's death is not really worth the marketing shenanigans. And I think well, yeah, they totally. got in trouble, I think, in Germany, at least for this yeah. whole thing that we're talking about here. You know, it is it is a marketing ploy and it, it sounds cool, and but I don't know if they really grasp the full implications or cynically don't care about the implications of this. Like, because by putting this out there, even if say 5% of your customers misunderstand or don't really understand that this isn't set a button and just let it yeah. take you to work, then <laughs> it makes every other driver on the road, a beta tester as well, because now I'm next to someone, you know, in the other lane who's in their model X you know, going through their shopping list on their phone, not looking at the road because they think their cars got them covered. You yeah. Know? And that's and my concern with it. Yeah. That's the problem with these systems is they're, they are, they are, they're pretty good. You know, um, mm-hmm. the Porsche in a drive on the Taycan's pretty good. Like I, I right. can't complain. It's super helpful, but it's like one of these things that you have to be paying attention to continuously mm-hmm. because you know, shit can go sideways in a millisecond. 
and you've got to right. be ready. And so it's almost, it's almost, these systems are almost like they're, they're good enough to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, a, you know? I think you're, that's totally, I think that's totally accurate. Yeah. It's also a little bit of making sure that they don't take on any blame. I think like they're going yeah. to tell their customers full stuff driving's coming. This is the beta for it, blah, blah, blah. But they're telling regulators, oh, we're not taking any responsibility. The, 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 pat, the, the customer, the driver still has to be paying attention and be able to intervene if the, if the software goes wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think what the other thing that is important to bring up about this, it's clearly a, a hell of a lot harder than people thought. And I'm honest totally. to God, it, it really should be. I mean, I think that it's the human experience. We just understand like driving and we're like, yeah, it's, it's not that big of a deal. You can kind of kind of pay attention, kind of zone out, listen to your music and still drive. Right. But it's way more complicated, just way more complicated than that. And then, you know, when you talk about m- multiple systems, you know, visual, LIDAR, what, you know, backup systems do you have when those get covered in snow or, you know, sleet or something? And so yeah. I think like the truth is we're probably actually a long ways away from it. Totally. Um, you know, it's I'm, always been said to be just around the corner. Yeah. And we're 10 years into that. <laughs> and I you don't know, trust I've, any of those dude, systems. I've really wondered about that. So like if you're living in California where the weather's nice, this probably works quite well. But if a lot of your systems are predicated on your cameras, all the cameras you have around the car and whatnot, and you're in Minnesota where for yeah. you know three weeks straight you can't wash your car because it's too cold and you've got caked on crap over all the cameras yeah i don't i don't understand how how it works well right and yeah i think i think we're a lot farther away from it i I think i may have mentioned this before on the podcast but there's a really great book called why we drive that was kind of a philosophical book but one of the chapters was on you know self-driving and autonomous vehicles and and he brought up a good point that i hadn't thought about that because humans you know actions are not necessarily always predictable or make sense per se yeah oh amen you know you it's really tough to program a system so like really the yeah. best way for an autonomous vehicle to work is if every other vehicle on the yeah, road is autonomous that's a really good point i mean when i'm driving don't get me wrong i love all these systems when when i have to make a 4 hour drive on the highway sure. I love yeah, it. Like it's course. super helpful. That's, that's but, where they seem to work. And around town though, like, yeah, I mean, I watch people in my river and cut people off or dart into, you know, traffic. Or, and it's like, or someone cuts across three lanes to make their exit. Cause they had no idea yeah, where they were going. And, yeah. And it's like, I don't trust any of these systems to catch that as right. quickly right. as, as I could, at least right. at this point, maybe 20 years from now, it'll be a different story. But in, to your point, almost like everybody has to be forced to use it. And I don't know that we're going to, I don't think we're going to be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a very, I, I'm with you, like driving, driving like on the highway where it's super boring. It's great to have adaptive crews and all these sorts of things. But in, in my wife's Volvo, like the lane keep assist in town is obnoxious as hell because like, Oh yeah, I just, is, you're right. If I go to, sh- if I go to change lanes and I don't put the blinker on, which it I generally you. do, but it, it will <laughs> fight you, you know? And you're like, and it actually, if it's snowy or slick out and that thing jerks you back into the other <laughs> lane that you're trying to get out of, yeah. it can actually, screw, you know, it can actually get you in trouble. 
And I'm like, okay, if that's where we're at in terms of autonomous, you know, quote unquote, autonomous systems in cars, like we got a long way to go. Yeah. You know, and, and to be honest with you, like this is a little dystopian, but I just, I'm very paranoid about, you know, people and their turning more and more and more critically important things over to computers. Totally. You know, when you, when you yeah. look at how much stuff gets hacked and people mm-hmm. just mess with stuff to mess with stuff, it's like, yeah. what, what happens when somebody uploads some kind of malware to your car? Right. You know? Yeah. All um, of a sudden the brakes don't work. Like you know? that's super scary to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, no. it's one thing if it's your dishwasher, it's another thing if your car I mean, if it's your it, car, but it, most of these that, things kind of are connected to the internet in some way. Yeah. If that hasn't already been like a subplot line in like a Bond movie yet, I'd be shocked. But like, right? <laughs> it just, yeah, I mean, like, there's a reason that there's a whole kerfluffle right now about like Biden using his Peloton bicycle in the White House. It's yeah, like, and that's just a bicycle. You know, you know, people, the people designing cars and and exercise bikes and stuff that have connectivity, they're not necessarily going to d- be doing the most high level cybersecurity on their systems because yeah. it's, they're not a bank. They don't think they're going to get hacked. Right. So right. like they're not going to spend millions of dollars to make sure that their system is, is completely secure, even though, you know, obviously for an exercise bike, that's probably not that big a deal, but for a car. Yeah. That's the point, right? Certainly a big go- deal. Zero to 60 in like two seconds weighs 6,000 pounds and a top speed of 160 miles an hour. Like that's a land missile. Well, and even like, even things like when you're doing GPS stuff, like if the car is using GPS to navigate, even that's not perfect. Like a friend of ours, you know, when his, his car was getting PPF'd and he's a listener to the show. So I hope you don't mind me telling this story, uh, Dave, but his car was getting PPF'd and he was keeping an eye on it, making sure that they didn't go for joy rides yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. one day his GPS said his car was like in the ocean off of like the African coast. It was like, <laughs> it must, yeah, he must just have... completely screwed up. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, picked some so, node that was on the other part of the planet. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, imagine like you're sleeping in your car and it's like, you know, you're in the middle of Minneapolis and it decides that you're like, you know, about Atlantic. to go off, go off the, the pier in, in Los Angeles or something, you know, how does it react? <laughs> it's, yeah. It starts to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, dear. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think there's a long way to go. Um, I think I, I still trust even a minimally competent driver over the best automated yeah. software we have, at least commercially available. So yeah, probably but, will be that way for a while. Yeah. So it, it's interesting shenanigans. I think Tesla has a, a kind of a track record of, crowdfunding a lot of stuff you know i'm thinking of you know cyber truck deposits and things like that um so it's a good way to raise money and get hype i guess but i just and maybe they honestly did think it wasn't going to take this long yeah i mean it started out thinking like oh this is eminently solvable it's just going to take a couple years and then once they got into the weeds it was like oh my god this is way harder than we thought i mean we we, we've seen that in our field right and in medicine like all these ai systems that are supposed to be so good and you know some of them are quite good but they still make mistakes that even like a you know a, a first or second year resident in radiology wouldn't make. would not make yeah exactly you know? so there's still work to be done but anyway moving on to something a little less automated uh so this week the review embargo on the new uh m3 and m m3 sedan m4 coupe lifted so the internet was flooded with uh car review videos and and write-ups and whatnot so 
some of the stats are the M3 is going to be a base and a competition for both cars. The base model has 473 horsepower, 406 pound-feet of torque. The comp will be 503,479 foot-pounds of torque. So quite a big torque bump for the comp. This is where it hurts me a little bit. So the comp yeah. is only available with an eight-speed auto, no dual clutch or manual. The base model you can get with a manual, but you can't get it in all-wheel drive. You can only get the comp yeah. in all-wheel drive. You know, looks aside, this could have been a cool car, you know, to replace my my current daily yeah. driver when the time came. But I would want a manual and I'd want it all-wheel drive, and, and you just can't get that configuration, which hurts yeah. me a little bit. But, um, so the base M3 uh, starts at 70895 Kind of interesting, the new M3, M4 weigh close to 440 pounds more than their outgoing models. So you're talking the difference in, like, having three full-size adults in the car. Yeah, that is a uh, lot, so isn't that's it? That's a chunky boy. Yeah. Uh, so, so, one, what do you think about the car? We kind of touched on the looks before, but I think it's worth discussing kind of the whole car. Uh, and do you think it's worth the money? I mean, you're talking 71 grand before options. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, reading the reviews, it, it really seems like a lot of people are impressed with it. I mean, it, yeah. it delivers what it was, what we all kind of expected m car to deliver so right from that standpoint yeah it looks like it would be a blast to drive the reviews have been really positive and mm-hmm. you know does it make up for the looks i mean it, it to some extent obviously it's in the eye of the beholder but i think it it might yeah you know it sounds like it's a it's like a number of reviews kind of alluded to the fact that like well once you're behind the wheel it the the front mm-hmm. end doesn't matter to you <laughs> right <laughs> right so yeah. um and then you know in terms of price, yeah, it's steep, but my God, all cars are so expensive to get today. That's kind of you what know? I, I had the same thought. I, I first kind of recoiled at the cost and then I was like, yeah. well, you know, a decked out Honda Accord is freaking pushing 35 grand. I'm sure at this point, like yeah, cars really are any of this, so expensive. Yeah. CRVs, you know, you get package a bunch of options on those and yeah, you know, you're in the forties, probably high thirties oh, totally. maybe. Yeah, so, I, I mean, all, so much of the car, mar- the new car market is predicated on lease deals at this point because yeah, exactly. most people can't afford to buy these things outright. I mean, that's the bottom line. You know, and um, I was kind of messing around a little bit with the con- configurator and love that Isle of Man green. Oh, um, yeah, it's one know, of the launch colors. It is beautiful. It's, it's so cool. And then, yeah. you know, when you look at the options on here, it it's not crazy. You know, it's not. Yeah, the Porsche carbon pack crazy. to me is like the only must-have option. So the carbon pack has like, as the name would suggest, kind of carbon exterior pieces. But the real yeah. kind of centerpiece are these really beautiful carbon bucket seats, yeah. which are still like adjustable. You can still get them as heated seats. Like they, they still yeah. are very usable. But man, they look really nice they they look super cool my first thought when i saw them was those have got to be so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah but you know it sounded my, like in one of the reviews though they you know they're yeah. like exactly they look uncomfortable but they're surprising you know that's that's what i so car fractions review henry catchpole said that and he's built about like me he's a tall skinny guy. he's built like us you know tall skinny yeah. guy he doesn't have much padding and he said that they were actually quite comfortable for what they are. Yeah, I I think it's a really, you know, the looks alone had turned me off to the car. But then once mm-hmm. I heard how good the chassis apparently is, how nice the engine is, responsive, how 
good it is as a vehicle, you know, as a sports yeah. sedan, I became more intrigued again. Um, yeah. You know, and I got to say the M3, the sedan look, the the front end is starting to bother me a little bit less, which is yeah, like. get it. Somebody shot. said if, yeah, if you're really bothered by it, get it in black. Get it in black, right. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Because I, I think that's what I saw the other day. I saw BMW had a post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And one of them was in black, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, that's pretty sick looking." <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing, like if you get it in black, so a lot of people think it looks not just the front end, but the car overall looks quite busy with the carbon pieces on it and stuff like that. But if you get it in black, it all kind of blends. And yeah, I think I think the car looks really aggressive. The stock wheels, I think, are some of the better yeah. stock wheel options I've seen on a car recently. So I I am intrigued. I I think it's more money than I would I would want to spend, but I don't think it's probably far off from most of its competitors. You know, I, I don't know what the R, the S six was is going to cost or the S four, but it's probably yeah. in the same price range. I would guess fifty five sixty at least. Would you um, contemplate an M three a non competition version with a manual? As a can you can you so get that in an all wheel drive or is you that can't. that's the problem? Okay, so that's Only a- the comp is going to come in all wheel drive. Like to me, I was starting to drool at the thought of yeah, a manual sure. base M three with all wheel drive and a carbon pack. I was like, that would be the shit. And, <laughs> I agree, that's and so bad. it's it's so sad that that does not look like it's going to be yeah. an option. It's not going to be a daily driver up here. <laughs> yeah, no, that. no. Without that, it's yeah, it's really even with snow tires. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't trust my own skills <laughs> no. in snow and ice with a rear wheel drive car. With you know, with that yeah. kind of power, yeah, um, <laughs> I, I would need to be like a Finnish rally driver to feel like I could get away <laughs> yeah. with that here. But I think it's going to be you know, I'm excited to see them actually now. I, before I wasn't, yeah. but I think the more aggressive overall look suits the the big nostrils better and it kind of goes with the aesthetic a bit more so yeah uh, really excited to see especially in that green like you said the isle man is stunning color such a neat color and you know with these cars yeah you really should be doing something fun and exciting yeah it's a such a unique and and classic car go for it you know get something a little crazy yeah totally so uh excited to see that um and uh you know hopefully we can we can see when James gets one in at the dealership. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so getting, getting to some little motorsports news, uh, you know, we're in the midst of the first, they just start concluding today, the, the Bahrain uh, testing sessions. So we're starting to get into formula one season. We've got the first race in a couple of weeks and all the cars in the last couple of weeks, all the, all the 2021 liveries have been shown and there's some controversy over the Haas livery, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So the back, there's some backstory to this. So the World Anti-Doping Association issued a ruling recently following an investigation into Russia's manipulation of data during WADA's investigations and doping allegations against Russian athletes. They issued a ruling that no Russian athlete can officially compete in a world championship sporting event until the end of 2022, but Russian competitors can take part as, quote, neutral athletes, but they can't have the Russian flag displayed next to their names. They can't have Russian uniforms. And so that's the backstory. So then Haas's new sponsor this season is Ural Kali, which is a fertilizer company that's part owned by a Russian named Dmitry Mazepin, who's the father of the new Haas driver, Nikita Mazepin. 
um, and the new Haas livery, and I would encourage people to uh, look up the image. Basically, it looks like a giant Russian flag. <laughs> um, no debate about that. I don't know. <laughs> and to be to be fair, Ural Kali's like logos and stuff are basically Russian flags. Um, yeah. But some critics believe that this is kind of an attempt by the the team and by Mazepin to circumvent the water ruling. Although Haas, of course, disputes this. Gunther Steiner, their team principal, has come out and said, oh, we designed this before the water ruling even came down and blah, blah, blah. But I thought kind of the interesting angle of this story is, is you know, how do you feel about the only American-owned F1 team essentially looking like a rolling Russian flag <laughs> advertisement? <laughs> so, you know, I, I thought about, you know, Gunther's statement, and he kind of ended it with like, oh, yeah, and by the way, this is an American team. Right. And uh, I think the the whole thing is just an interesting collection of bedfellows. Um, yeah. You know, with Haas being American, you yeah. know, Mazepin, his history, like, it, yeah. it just For those that seems, don't know, Mazepin's a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, it just seems to me like this is a powder keg. Yeah. And, I, know, what, this will be what? the most interesting team, I think, this season. I agree. <laughs> I think there's going to be... All sorts of shenanigans on track. I think there's going to be shenanigans off track. And yeah, um, I think Mazepin's going to be running into people. Yeah, I think exactly. Steiner's going to be trying to find a way to like. Or Gunther, yeah. He's Poor he's going to he's got to walk this line of when Nikita screws up, which he will. He's <laughs> yeah. a he's a young he's a young spoiled brat. Yeah, and the only reason he's got an F1 drive is because his dad bought half this team. I don't I don't know about his actual monetary outlay, but like. Obviously, he has a big financial stake in the team at this point. I want to see what Gunther does because he 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 knows he can't yeah, he can't shit talk Nikita. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to walk a fine line. Yeah, you know, it's the boss. I, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I'll be interesting to see it. I'll be interested to see if Wada because the FIA is a is a signatory to like the agreements with Wada that like basically if Wada issues a ruling that affects the Formula One drivers. Uh, they have to abide by it. So if Wada yeah. says like, yeah, this is violating our ruling, Haas would have to change their livery. I don't know if they will, but I think I think it, this is just a precursor to Haas getting out that's, of F1. That's what I think. I, that's kind of what I was alluding to. I I wonder this season, is it is it going to be a powder keg that, you know, blows up on on the track, off the track, and at the mm-hmm. end of it, they're just like, the hell with this. Like, this is yeah. just finishing for us like we're well they've, done. they've already <laughs> said that they're gonna do literally no further development on this year's car so like most teams throughout the year they continue spending money and resources on developing the car trying to improve it as the season goes on that pretty much yeah. every team does that haas has said we're not doing that all our all our resources are going to go to our 2022 car which will be the the first year of the new regulations that are coming into right effect. So Haas is essentially thrown in the towel and knowing knowing they're going to be a back, you know, back of the pack team. And then they're just going to unleash Nikita. I think the real shame is like Mick Schumacher, who's the other new driver for Haas, yeah. is a genuinely good driver, yeah. you know, son of son of Michael Schumacher. And I think he's going to unfortunately get caught up in all this BS. You know, the team dynamics have a, a big impact mentally on drivers. Totally. Know, I mean, look at look at uh, Albon last season. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you're, when it's, there's just some, some team dynamic, obviously it's competitive and, mm-hmm. and that's just, 
a given, but there are some team dynamics that seem to work better than others. Right. And some people I would, I mean, even if it was like, Hey, you want to, you want to be an F1 driver? You got to race with this person and be like, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't need that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, not for me. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope that if Mick has a good season, I hope he can go yeah, and take Nick the place of him. maybe, you know, maybe, maybe Vettel decides to retire yeah. after this year, or maybe Fernando Alonso gets back out of the sport after this year or something. And a seat opens up for him, you know, cause he, he, so he won like the formula two championship last year. He's, he's a genuinely good driver. And I just hope his having to be around Mazepin doesn't kind of. Yeah, exactly. Poison, <laughs> poison the well a little bit. I hope not. Yeah. But, uh, kind of one last interesting, uh, debut for the week that uh, i thought was worth touching on just because it's an interesting product is the new jeep grand wagoneer so uh jeep is coming out with a kind of bring back the wagoneer nameplate uh but as a essentially a high-end luxury suv so these are going to range in price from based on trim level from just shy of eighty nine thousand dollars to one hundred and nine thousand nine hundred and eighty dollars for kind of the top edition it's powered by a 471 horsepower v8 it's got all the bells and whistles, adaptive air suspension, just like it's kind of Range Rover rivals. Yeah. Um, it's got tons of screens. It's got, you know, fully digital dash and headrest screens, everything you would expect in a, you know, six figure SUV. But I just thought it was interesting. Like, who is this for? <laughs> like, are there that many Jeep diehards who want a six figure SUV that says Jeep on it? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, I wonder, is it similar to like the Toyota and the Land Cruiser? Yeah. You know? It's like, what? And you look at the Toyota lineup, and then all of a sudden you see that, and mm-hmm. you're like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> I think the Land Cruiser Toyota is this, makes that? <laughs> yeah, it, the Land Cruiser is this weird outlier where it has such a, a phenomenal reputation for reliability that I think that's, the, that's what people yeah. are paying a premium for. The Land Cruiser interior is nice. But what people are paying for is the knowledge that I can drive this thing for 200,000 miles Into and I'm going to be doing oil changes on it. And that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a reason that used land cruisers with 150,000 miles still sell for 40, 50 grand because they yeah. know that, that that car still has 100,000 miles left in it. But, you know, even for those that want to, you know, buy American, like if that's kind of the mentality, which is, you know, it's fine. But you've got the Escalade, which has been dominant in that class for years. Right. You've got the Lincoln Navigator, which is a beautiful, I think, a really wonderful looking SUV. And yeah, like there are people that pay $60,000 for a Jeep Wrangler Rubicon. But that's a very specific. Yeah. <clears throat> you're getting that so that they can either look like an off-roader or actually go off-road. Like it's it's yeah. an image that they're trying to portray. Whereas the Grand Wagoneer, like I, that's, yeah. that's I the think they, up. they must they must have done some market research here and they, they must yeah. know that there's some kind of niche because, you know, when I think about like the, the Cadillac, it's, it's for a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. And then the navigate, the navigator, I don't know, maybe that's for like a little bit of an older group. I mean, I'm, I'm just yeah. saying that because my parents bought a Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, and, uh, yeah. and so then I kind of wonder like, is this, you're a little bit younger, you know, you, you know, envision yourself having a ranch in Wyoming and you've got some money and you don't want, you want to buy American, but you don't want to drive a Cadillac and you, you know, you don't subscribe to either of those other 
car manufacturer auras. It, it, I mean, you're right. Like, I doubt they would have put millions of dollars into developing this vehicle without doing the market research to know there's a segment of buyers that will make their Probably money back. Probably go for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> that's a it's lot that, of money, it, though. <laughs> it's a lot. That's it's so fast. Like, how many more six-figure yeah. SUVs can the market really support? Got every trim level Porsche Cayenne. You've got the Navigator, the Escalade, Audi Q8, Q7 variants, yeah, and all. It's crazy, just like, isn't it? dude, how many? You know, are there that many people that have a hundred grand to spend on an SUV? Like, yeah, you know, I, it's, it's very crowded at that I, segment. I asked my wife the other night. I don't know why we were talking about this, but I was like, take a guess at what the you know average American car costs now. And oh, I, yeah. I almost need to look it back up here again. But both of us were shocked. I think it was like high 30s or maybe low 40s. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's the the average. Yeah. It's very close to like the the median like salary, right? Yeah, For like ish Something like that. Yeah. That's it's crazy. crazy. That, I mean, I think that's why these like lease deals and long-term lease deals have yeah. become kind of the preferred method for a lot of people to get into a new car. And that's why I think used car sales have gone through the roof. Yeah. Because, you know, most people, if you're a 20 something that's out of, out of college, you've got a nice job making 50, 60 grand a year, you know, like you're doing great, but you've got six figures in student loans. You know, you're maybe trying to start a family, get married, have a kid. Like how, you know, how are you going to afford like, a new, you know, I guess like we're talking about a new Honda Accord costing 32, 35 grand. Like all of yeah, a sudden, you know, like a yeah. five-year-old Honda Accord sounds kind of nice. Well, and the, and the sad thing is then when you finally sit down and you like look at the lease rates compared to the finance rates, you're like, oh, I save a hundred bucks a month. And it's yeah. like, wait a minute, I'm only using half of this car, <laughs> you know? And right. so when you dive into the details, you kind of realize like, God, these leases are really effing expensive as well you know you're just kind of getting yeah. screwed but uh, i think the truth is just a lot of people have expectations of you know i want my car to have you know a backup camera i want it to have some kind of lane keep functions when i'm you know on cruise right. control and so i assume yeah all of that just kind of blows up and makes for a car that's you know thirty eight thousand bucks on average yeah. in the u.s for, for yeah i mean life. i think a lot of that stuff like the safety stuff is extremely important to mo- to i think pretty much everybody i mean that was a big thing and why we got the volvo um but yeah it has made cars very heavy and very expensive yeah <laughs> you know getting back to this wagoneer do you this thing really in the front gives me a hummer vibe yeah the grill do you get that sense as well yeah yeah no i mm. i think is probably like uh it gives me a bit of a hummer vibe i mean i think it's a good looking car yeah i do too yeah <laughs> but it's it's just like it kind of looks like a lot of other things but yeah the front the front kind of reminds me of like particularly that vertical grill reminds me of like yeah. the the uh what the h3 you know exactly like, yeah it's that's since been discontinued and then the rest of it just kind of if you covered the front end and asked what car is that i'd be like oh like that's the new tahoe yeah, I mean, it looks yeah. like every other American-made SUV. <laughs> Can you get wood paneling on this? I would like uh, to know that because when when my folks lived in Colorado, they had a Wagoneer, an old one, yeah, with the, with the wood paneling on the sides, yeah. and it's just like, oh, what a 
What a sweet ass ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hopefully no. that's an option. <laughs> I'm I'm looking so there's a bunch of renderings out there that show like wood paneling, but I don't think I it's see like, that. Yeah, actually, I don't available. think it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot Maybe of people want a good it. Thing. You know, yeah, it's like still, yeah, it's like the it's like the manual, you know, kind of thing. It's a Jeep thing. I'm sure there's some people who be like, oh, you got to get the wood pan. <laughs> yeah, no, it's one of those things that's such an iconic part of that nameplate that yeah, if you if you didn't if you had the option to and you didn't get it people would just be like why, why did, that's like yeah. the point of getting that like that's why you like get a, it yeah a light in, blue or some kind of green it's yeah, gotta have wood paneling <laughs> yeah i i think then you I would have respect a, that then you would have a justification for like oh well why didn't you just get an escalade well the escalade doesn't have wood paneling <laughs> that's right <laughs> who, who the hell wants wood paneling oh, oh i love man. it though i think it's great <laughs> Yeah, a lot of those, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the old Grand Wagoneers that are still in good shape uh, are starting to fetch like high dollars. Yeah, um, especially, you know, on Bring a Trailer, you know, like I saw, I sent one, you know, maybe a year ago to my parents that looked identical. And when we lived out in Denver, and it was, you know, light blue with the wood paneling. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was up for auction on Bring a Trailer. <laughs> yeah. There, we could relive the, the good old days. <laughs> the <glory> days. <laughs> there, there was one that just sold on Cars and Bids, I think, Doug DeMiro's auction mm-hmm. website for yeah. like, I want to say like 35, 40 grand. But it was like a fairly low mile example. But still, it was just like, Jesus Christ, that's a lot of money. That's like, it's, you know. What paneling, man? Gets people excited. <laughs> I don't even know how you would maintain that, dude. I, I, I don't either. <laughs> have a lot of issues, but uh, maybe that'll be like the super limited edition they release in a year. Or two. <laughs> yeah, paneling for one hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, for one hundred and fifty. Because <laughs> why not? People yeah. will pay it. Charge an extra ten thousand. Who the hell cares? People yeah. will pay it. <laughs> yeah, tell tell everybody how limited. It, an edition it's going to be yeah. you know so that it drives up the hype and and then just yeah throw on some yeah. wood cladding <laughs> and then yeah and then just remember this is america and for suvs yeah. and trucks doesn't matter we'll pay whatever whatever pay it takes oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man well i think that is all we had for this week do you have anything else you wanted to touch on no i don't think so good stuff all right well, thanks again, everybody, for listening in. Um, if you want to get in touch with us or, or keep up to date on the podcast, uh, we're the Blow Off Valve podcast on Instagram. Just search for us there and, and uh, give us a follow. And we'll put up when new shows go live. It's a good place to interact with us and, and ask us questions or give us show topics. And please be sure to, to like and leave a review for us on iTunes when you get a chance or wherever uh, you listen to this, um, because that that helps us out trying to reach more people. So until next week, everybody, thanks so much. Bye.